0: I think lawyers are like car salespeople where you have this, oh, you're sleazy, you're ambulance chasers, you charge by the minute. I'm going to fax you this, it's going to cost $1,000. And how do you find the right lawyer?
1: It's a really good question. And it absolutely can be hard to find a lawyer that you trust. Certainly, I would say that A cheap lawyer is not necessarily the lawyer with the right experience. You may be better spending less time with a really appropriately qualified lawyer than spending a lot of time with a lawyer that's less qualified.
0: Today's episode is really cool. It's about something that I find interesting, but maybe a lot of small business owners might find boring and it's legal. Find out about the importance of legal for small businesses and what early steps you can take for success when setting up your company on this episode of This Week in Marketing. Hey everyone, I'm Darren Lake, the audio content manager here at Medigy. Welcome to Forward Thinking, a podcast by MediG. In this series, we speak with inspirational business owners, brands, and marketing experts to learn from their experiences on the front line and uncover what it takes to build a world-class business.
1: Hi, I'm Myra. I'm the General Counsel and Chief of Staff here at Medigine. I'm here to talk to you today about all the important legal things that you should be thinking about when starting a startup or any small business. I'm an Australian qualified lawyer, so right up front, uh, you should be getting specialist advice in your relevant jurisdiction, and that's applicable to your business needs. My background is in venture capital and technology M&A transactions, but we'll be covering a whole wide range of things today.
0: This is mainly the cautionary tales about why you should sort everything out early on because you don't want to do it later when you're trying to run a business, you have no time, you have no emotional capacity, and you don't have the money. And that's another thing and another problem with small businesses, and I am a I'm to blame. And I I put my hand up, I am guilty. I did not think that I needed to pay for lawyers. I was copying and pasting random contracts that I found and it got me into a lot of mess and it, it, nothing really bad, but I was not able to negotiate good terms because it wasn't in my agreement. And it wasn't until I talked to an amazing lawyer. They really got me to think more professionally and I was able to have much better success with clients and campaigns. Some of the areas that we'll talk about here and we're gonna cover are how your business is structured, contracting around IP, intellectual property is everything, employee share schemes and issuing shares if you're that type of business, commercial contracts, terms and conditions, they are two different things kind of living under the same umbrella. We'll go into detail on that. Employment issues, as much as we all wanna think that everything's gonna be perfect, you will have problems because humans are complex creatures. And we'll end it off with how to find the right lawyer. Disclaimers Alright, Myra
1: Myra, Hi, Myra
0: Beale. That's right, thanks for having me Some disclaimers before we start that we should address to whoever's listening and runs a business
1: Yeah, so obviously this is not personalized legal advice and every jurisdiction is completely different So I'll go through probably a little bit later Uh, how to find the right lawyer, but certainly it's important to get uh, jurisdictionally relevant advice and advice that's really tailored to your business.
0: How is your business structured?
1: Yeah, so straight up front, uh, you should really be thinking about how your business is structured. Uh, That's the case, whether you're a sole trader or whether you're going into your business with a founder... Um, or a co-founder or a team of people. Um, If you're a sole trader or you're a partnership, you don't have the protection of a separate legal entity being a company. So I would definitely recommend that people consider having a company for that protection. And certainly if you have co-founders or you're working with other people, then having a company is just a much simpler way to divide equity and to enable new people to come along and to get things like investors and that kind of thing. So, if you're starting a company, you should really think about having a shareholder's deed or a shareholder's agreement in place um, and really think about uh, what might happen between your founders. So, what equity each of you are getting, how that equity is vesting over time, what are your roles and responsibilities? Um, what happens if you get an investor in place? How is your equity going to vest over time? Um, how do you make decisions? Um these are really, really important things to think about and to document because obviously everyone goes into business with really good intentions, just like a prenuptial agreement. It's it's a marriage. So you just never know what's going to happen. So it's important to really think about these things upfront and come to an agreement that everyone's happy with.
0: Contracting around intellectual property. IP is everything. And just a quick definition, IP is intellectual property, which is all the tangible stuff that, or the intangible stuff, sorry, that you, that you have in your company. So, uh, content, media, photos, would that be? Yeah. Photos. Yeah. It's like non-physical type things, but you can go more in depth on that.
1: As you said, your intellectual property in your business is everything. Um, that is the truly valuable part of your business, particularly if you're a startup or a technology company. So making sure that that IP is protected, it's in the right place um, and you're managing it over time is really, really critical. So um, again, starting right at the beginning, um, if founders have been working on your business uh, for a long period of time and maybe you've only just established a company, you really need to put something like founder intellectual property agreements in place Um, with employees. You need to make sure that your employment agreements have suitable intellectual property provisions that... Ensure that the business retains that IP uh, for the duration of that employee's employment. And then some other key things to really think about are um, when you go to name your company or you get a domain name or you're trying to get a trademark, who's already got that name? Does somebody have that trademark? Is it in a relevant class? Because in fact, if someone has the same name, but they have a completely different business, in fact, you can use that name. So it's really important to think about that kind of thing right up front. Um, otherwise you 're going to have problems down the track, and uh, you don 't want to be getting legal letters from a company with a you know very, very similar name doing a similar thing um, there 's no need to burden yourself at the beginning of your uh, business journey with issues like that.
0: Yeah, having to change names as you get traction early on would be you know, not great it's not not the worst thing, but it 's never a good thing, and you know you should be running your business not changing your name and, and de- dealing with all the, the legal ramifications. <laughs> Employee shares and equity.
1: That's right. Employee share schemes, they they seem simple. The idea is that you want your employees to have a stake in the company. You want them to really feel part of it and you want everyone to benefit when the company does well. Um, That's the idea. You know, if you were there, um, you know, at the early stages of Google, um, you really contributed to some of those uh, key business outcomes that made that company a big success. So, you should be rewarded for that as well. But on the flip side, they're really complicated from a legal perspective, a tax perspective, an accounting perspective. So you do really need to get specialist and tailored advice. Um, Not everyone is an expert in these areas. So it's important to get those things right uh, because, in fact, if you don't, um, any offer that you make can, in fact, just be invalid or it can create really big um, problems over time and and actually cost you a lot of money to try and um, back solve them later. Later on,
0: terms and conditions. All right, let's jump into something that everyone loves: the T's and C's. So terms and in terms, sorry, terms and conditions. This is that thing that you usually scroll down uh, whenever you download a new app, and you don't read it and you tick it. I'm sure you, as a le- legal person, you probably read every single word, um, <laughs> and you know you're just like, oh yeah, I gotta know what's going on. And most people they're just like, whatever. Tell us more about how terms and conditions in your company. Obviously, everyone's different. Reflect what you do.
1: That's right. So, I mean, look, we're really talking about sexy topics here. Terms and conditions and privacy policy um, are front of mind, I'm sure, for every founder. Um, the, the important thing here, that there, there is certainly a common uh, thing that people do, which is just find um, some terms and conditions online and, and sort of copy and paste it into their, into their terms and conditions. You know, a lot of people are guilty of doing that. And that that can be okay. Um, I wouldn't recommend it. But the most important thing with your terms and conditions, certainly your privacy policies. Firstly, making it really clear, uh, making them user-friendly so people can actually read them if that's important to them. But even more important than that is making sure that they actually reflect what your business is doing and what it actually does. If you copy and paste some generic terms and conditions, they may not cover some of the key things that you're doing. If you're taking payments from customers, if you're billing monthly, um, if you're doing various activities, if you're... um, you know, selling photos or doing specific things, your terms and conditions need to reflect the terms of what you are providing to customers or otherwise you're leaving yourself really open to, you know, losing money or um, getting into a credit card dispute or things like that. So, I would certainly recommend just make sure that they reflect what you're doing. Same with privacy policy. There's no point saying that you're GDPR compliant if you're not And in fact, if you're not, in Europe, uh, you don't necessarily need to be. So there's no point saying, um, you know, that you're doing one thing if you're not.
0: Commercial contracts. Terms and conditions is contractual. Commercial contracts... Can you define the difference and, and go in a bit more detail?
1: Yeah, so commercial contracts cover a whole broad range of things. Any agreement you have with you know larger customers, enterprise agreements with, with bigger customers, but certainly um, any arrangements that you have with your suppliers or with your partners um, are kind of covered in the bucket of commercial contracts. Similar to your terms and conditions, the most important things to think about are starting with a quality-based document. Um, But having that clarity of thought to really document what is the arrangement between the parties, what are the deliverables that each party is bringing to the table, um, when do they need to be delivered, um, what are the success metrics, you know, is this partnership working or is it not? Um, The other things to think about are your limitation of liability. You don't want uncapped liability, especially if you're a small business. Um, You could leave yourself open to, you know, a a really large amount of liability incidentally. And certainly things like consequential loss uh, are things that you should be carving out from your commercial agreements. Um, Other things to think about more logistically are... um, whether your employees are trained to kind of complete some of these contracts, whether they're um, filling them out correctly and, in fact, who has the authority to sign these agreements. It might not be appropriate for all of your employees to be contracting on behalf of the company. So these are things to really think about up front. The other thing to really think about is your dispute resolution mechanisms. As a small business or as a startup you really don't want to be going to court. That's going to cost you a huge amount of money um, if you're trying to get an injunction against a party. So the most important thing, firstly, um, again, as I said before, is making sure you've got that clarity of thought so you know whether or not um, a party is performing their obligations. And then, in fact, can you just simply terminate the agreement if it's not working? Um, Or is there some other dispute resolution mechanism that you may be able to resolve the dispute without um, spending enormous amounts of money.
0: Yeah, I just keep going back to kind of my business, which is a, ironically enough, a podcast production company. So we, we provide service and marketing type stuff, uh, which differs from, you know, startups and e-commerce and technology companies. But um, another way of framing this is scope and expectation and, you know, what's in scope, what's out of scope. Uh, and it, it is nice to do it just as a organizational tool. And it also is nice then when they, the the client or your customer wants something outside of scope, you can say, no, 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 that's outside the agreement. And um, for my first probably year of operating, I didn't have a proper one. I didn't even know about doing this. Uh, After talking to uh, a lawyer and some mentors, I realized that, you know, the contract, it saves so much headache later on. And you, you should never even have to look at the contract is what one lawyer said, you know, like it should be so good. And then if you have to go back to it, it's like, hey, here it is. And it's very clear and clean and you'd never have to escalate it up to any legal type disputes because, again, no one wants to be in court, like you said.
1: That's right. I mean, the other way to do it as well is have your key terms of the contract separated out from the main part of the agreement. It means that you can just go in and um, insert you know, the relevant term of the agreement, the amounts, um, some of the other key details, and you don't have to go back and you know, complete a whole different contract each time. So, that's a real uh, time saver, but also um, it's a protective mechanism um, for the company to make sure that all of your contracts are going out um, at a certain level of quality.
0: Employee issues. A lot of companies have employees. There will be issues. We're dealing with humans here. So tell me about how to deal with that in a legal manner.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things to think about with employees. Um, As I sort of said before, the first is starting with a good employment agreement. Um, Protecting your intellectual property in that employment agreement is really important. You've got to make sure that anything that they uh, put together is owned by the company. And then you've got to think, well, are my employees covered by an award? You know, that's certainly relevant to Australian employees. Um, all jurisdictions have different rules about, around remunerating employees, what leave entitlements there are, and and, and so many other uh, applicable issues. So certainly that's one to understand up front, what, what are my employee entitlements? How am I tracking that? Is there some technology that can support me um, with my employee? management. And then another really key thing to think about is what if it's not working out with a particular employee? Um, The termination process um, in certain jurisdictions can be um, quite uh, complicated and certainly it's an important to follow the right process. Even if somebody is maybe on a probationary period, there's always a process that should be followed to make sure that, again, you're protecting the company from risk, basically.
0: As much as we want to act like problems won't happen, uh, you know, in the, in the early days, they always do. So um, having this stuff at least, you know, in place is going to help you in the future when SHIT hits the fan. <laughs> How to find the right lawyer. All right, last part is how to find the right lawyer. Someone like yourself, super knowledgeable, trustworthy, because that's a big thing. I wanted to find a cool, trustworthy lawyer. I feel like lawyers are like car salesmen, where car salespeople, where you have this, oh, you're sleazy, you're ambulance chasers, you charge by the minute, you know, I'm going to fax you this, it's going to cost $1,000 and all that type of stuff. How do you find the right lawyer?
1: It's a really good question and it absolutely can be hard to find a lawyer that you trust, that you know is really qualified in that area and that can work with you to find an appropriate arrangement. Um, Certainly, I would say that a cheap lawyer is not necessarily the lawyer with the right experience. So, if you are um, trying to find a lawyer for a specific cost, um, it just might not be right. In fact, um you may be better uh, spending less time with a really appropriately qualified lawyer than spending a lot of time with a lawyer that's less qualified. Certainly, if you're uh, working with a friend of a friend or a family connection or a friend connection who's, you know, working in a completely different practice, if someone's a criminal lawyer or a family lawyer, they're not a commercial lawyer. So, you really need to get somebody with the right expertise. Um, And I would recommend going to, you know, asking around, you know, your business acquaintances to uh, refer you or to recommend someone who they found really good um, because it's not easy. At the end of the day, it's a relationship. If you don't think your lawyer is the right one for you, if maybe you don't um, feel like they understand your business or you're not trusting them as much as you would like to, um, shop around, find another lawyer. Um, but make sure you're getting one that um, is really appropriately qualified for what you need them to do. Same as any accountant or a tax advisor, um, you really need someone that uh, is really knowledgeable in the space.
0: Wrapping it up. There was a lot of information in, in a short amount of time. Feel free to wrap that up. Key takeaways for the listeners in the audience.
1: Absolutely. So, Yes, legal can be expensive um, and it's certainly not some, something that people necessarily want to think about. It's not the sexy part of your business, but it is really important from a risk management perspective. So I would think about it up front, especially if you're going into business with somebody else. You really need to document that, you know, you need to agree between the parties. Second thing is protecting your intellectual property. Your intellectual property is really everything, especially if you're a technology business. So you can't afford to get that wrong, in fact. Um, Then your commercial contracts and your terms and conditions, make sure they're clear. Make sure... um, people can understand them make sure they actually reflect what you do and what the parties have agreed to um and then yeah find the right lawyer find someone who's appropriately qualified who has good expertise and can work with you um over the long term it's it's a partnership right
0: great thank you so much for coming on to the podcast and being on this video is there anything else you'd like to say to to the
1: world uh thanks for having me it was it was great
0: from Medigy, you've listened to This Week in Marketing. Again, I'm Darren, and Medigy hopes we helped you find more insights and tips into your business. To find out more about Medigy and get a listener exclusive three month free trial, visit us at medigy.com forward slash podcast. And while you're there, go and check out some more episodes. If you like what you heard, please share a link to another business owner or marketer who you think could get something from this. Also, to help us out, it would be great if you left a five star review on your favorite podcast app. Last, never miss another episode by following or subscribing to us on your favorite podcast player. See you
1: on the next episode.